As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, it's Megan. I hope you've had an incredible week. And uh, no matter what day it is, if it's the end of the week for you or the beginning of the week, uh, I hope it's been an amazing one. This week has been pretty good over here. We've had some family things going on uh, that we're handling and navigating. I will fill you in on some of the learnings I'm having from that at a later date. Also this week, I was interviewed on a couple of different podcasts and also conducted some interviews with some guests that you're going to be hearing from in a couple of weeks and also have done some more trainings with one of my business partners in a particular business venture. And in all of these, we've been talking about different angles of group coaching programs. And yesterday I was being interviewed by a really great friend and colleague, Dr. Robin McKay. And at the end of our episode, she was asking me, what did she ask me? She asked me this question, you know, is there anything else that you want to leave us with any final thoughts. And we had already been chatting about 50 minutes. It was a very, very juicy episode. Make sure you go check that out when it's released. I'll make sure I put that out to my email list as well. But she asked me if there was anything else I wanted to leave with the listeners. And I said, you know, as an instructor, a coach, a teacher of a group coaching program, always be open-minded and be open to meeting your clients where they're at. And the reason for that is because not every single person going through your group coaching program thinks the same, operates the same, believes the same, processes in the same way. They don't all operate just like you do. They don't all operate the exact same way. And what one person needs in order to be successful might look and feel and be quite different from what someone else in your program in the same program needs in order to be successful. So be really open in meeting people where they're at. And I continued to to share a thought that I had for a few more seconds. And I said, you know, I really do believe that the direction, the coaching industry, especially group coaching is going in and who's really going to stand out and win in the next decade. It's the coaches and leaders of group programs who are doing just that. They are personalizing their programs for people. Now, there's a difference between personalization and customization. So as you know, a lot of people will transition into leading a group program because ultimately they want to get to a point where they can scale their program, serve more people, make a bigger impact, generate more income, of course, and to continue to grow. And usually we're not really talking about scale in the true sense of what scale means until you've reached seven figures with your group coaching program. So customization is what one-on-one coaching is. Customization is done privately, one-to-one behind closed doors. Now, a lot of group coaching program leaders 
get a bit bogged down and can create a lot of codependency because they've sold a group coaching program, but their clients are only able to get results and make progress if they have one-on-one access to the main coach or company owner. And that's not what we're talking about here. So customization is private time. Personalization is making adjustments and accommodations for your clients who, again, don't think and operate and process like you do or like the student who doesn't need any support at all. You know, look at it this way, whether this was you or you have, you're a parent and you have a child like this, or you had a sibling that was like this, you know, typically in a family of children, even if it's just two kids. So if you have a sibling or you you had more kids in your family, three, four, five, six, every single kid was really different. Every kid in the family had a, their own unique personality. Each one had their own learning styles, processing styles you know, all the things. They were not identical in how they operated in the world. And one or more of the kids in the family, and you see this in classrooms as well, one probably didn't really need their parent to tell them what to do all the time. You know, they didn't need their hand held in order to get their homework done. The parents just trusted like he or she is super conscientious, responsible, dependable, organized, She knows what to do. She is diligent. She manages her energy and her time, he or he, her or him, she or he. And I know that they're always going to get it done. And you know what? They probably get straight A's. I was that kind of student. No one had to check behind me. No one had to tell me what to do. No one had to remind me to get my schoolwork done. My brother was the exact opposite. My brother typically had to have someone sitting beside him so that he would get his work done and do it well and follow instructions and not get sidetracked or get distracted by something. So, you know, just think back to when you were a kid, did you, were you that way? Were you one of those ways? Uh, Did you have a sibling that was completely opposite from you? Did you notice this with other kids in your classroom? So just think about that for a moment. Now, all of those kids, we were all kids once before we all grew up to become adults. So we you know, brought our learning disabilities with us. If you had ADHD, you brought it with you. If you have dyslexia, you brought it with you. You brought your personality with you. You brought the way that you process information, the way your brain functions. You brought all of those things with you. They didn't just go away when you entered into adulthood. So you're just now an adult, not a kid, right? Well, now that you're leading a group coaching program, you are more than likely working with a group of adults. And so I want you to look at running a group coaching program like they are your students and that is your classroom, which does not mean for even a millisecond that I'm suggesting that you run your group coaching program like we were all taught in school. In fact, I want you to do something very different from that. But we understand these words and it simply shifts the perspective of the role that you're playing in your own group program. So if you look at yourself as the teacher, you look at your platform or your group coaching program as the classroom that you are leading and managing and facilitating, you look at all of your clients in the program as your students, not everyone needs the same thing in the exact same way. Now, let me be clear. They all need your curriculum. So whatever it is that you are teaching them, they need that content. They need that information. They need to know what those action steps are. They need to implement because 
they're working with you because they want your process. They want access to your methodology. They want access to what you, your wisdom that you have laid out in a simple way that they can follow it. They want to make measurable progress and they want to get results. They want to experience a transformation. So you know how to lead them in order to do that. However, not every single student in your classroom is going to function in the exact same way. So oftentimes when group coaching program leaders are designing their programs and delivering their programs, they're very much coming from the place of how they like to learn, how they prefer to process, how they function with information, how they like to move through a program themselves. They design it that way. So I'll use myself as an example. If you're familiar with the DISC assessment, I am a really high S and C. So on the DISC assessment, I'm a coordinator. That means that I'm incredibly high in steadiness factor and conscientiousness. Conscientiousness is like, I don't know, it's scored like a 97 out of a score of zero to 100. I am a lower D and I. So the conscientious person, it kind of doesn't matter what is thrown my way. It doesn't matter how boring it is. It doesn't matter how long it has to last. I will make it through to the end. Nobody needs to help me do that. Nobody needs to motivate me to show up. Nobody has to help me not be distracted uh, by anything. I'm going to make it all the way into the end. And that's just very much based on how I was built and how my brain functions, right? How I like to process. I have a really, really high tolerance for frustration as well. So I don't get frustrated that easily. I don't get, I don't emotionally wobble that easily. Um, I understand how to sift through information, take what I need, do what I need to do with it. And I don't really require someone to help me with that. Now, not everybody thinks like that, functions like that, operates like that. It's like they are the complete opposite. My husband is an example. My husband and I operate in very completely different ways. Uh, the way that I function, like I just described, he does not function that way. It, if he was in a program where a super conscientious person designed it for a bunch of other super conscientious person, he would flunk out of the program. Like he would not make it. He would not make it past the first couple of weeks, but probably two, and he'd lose them. So for example, let's say that in your program, you're a business coach and one of the things that you're teaching your clients to do is track data and metrics and keep up with either a, some sort of spread data in a spreadsheet or a database. Maybe it's tracking leads. Maybe you're teaching you know, a, a module in your program or a phase of your program is about lead generation. And of course, if you're teaching lead generation and you're a business owner, you know that you have to keep a database. You have to have a follow-up system. You have to know which leads you have in the pipeline. Are they cold? Are they warm? Are they hot? You need to take notes on that. A lot of people will teach a scoring system where they use different a scoring system just to see how qualified a potential prospect is to actually work with them and be in their program. And then that kind of dictates the journey that you're taking that person on. 
Now, a super conscientious person will love your database and they will love your spreadsheet and they will not fight you one bit on implementing that and using it in your program. And if it's a big piece of your program, that means your clients need to use it in order to get the results that you're promising in your program. So in order for any of our clients to get the result that we're promising in the program, they need to actually go through our system and go through the methodology and process that we've put in place or else we can't really promise that you're going to get the results that we are promising if you don't use what we're giving you. And typically, if you don't use it in the order that we're providing it in, you're also not going to get the results that we're promising or you're not going to get it in the timeline that we're promising it in. Now, you are going to have people in your program, yes, adults, who fight you tooth and nail on using your spreadsheets. They will resist it. They won't do it. They will argue with you. They will tell you 42 different reasons why they can't use it. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to think, well, you just need to show up and do it. You're going to tell them, well, this is what you have to do. And that's just kind of going to be that. Moving forward, that is no longer going to work. I strongly, strongly believe that. I don't think that. So here's what I believe is really going on with our adult clients who are adult learners inside of our group coaching programs. They've gotten too sophisticated at this point. And what I mean by that is they've been around the block too many times. They've joined and been a part of too many group programs or high-level, high-touch courses. And they've invested too much money at this point. Now, the adult may not be able to express their frustration or resistance in the proper way to the group coaching program leader. They'll just say they're really frustrated or they're not good at it or whatever they tell you. They may not realize that they don't actually have the functionality Or they may actually have a learning disability or they may actually have ADHD, but they may not be able to really utilize what you're giving them in the format, in the way that you're delivering it to them. And so a lot of clients are not being successful in group coaching programs. There's such a low rate of retention and a low rate of completion and a low rate of results. Because I believe if we're not looking as leaders of group coaching programs, as leaders of adult learners, I believe what's happened is we're not looking at it like they're our students, that's our classroom, and we are the teacher. Because when I was a high school teacher and I was teaching 25 students in one class, I had you know students who were failing out of school and the smartest kid in the class and everything in between. I had every personality under the sun. I had students with learning disabilities, students who had been homeschooled through eighth grade and ninth grade was the first time they'd even been around other students in a learning environment. I had students who were ADHD. I had students who were on individual education plans. I had all sorts of accommodations for students, you name it, and it was in the classroom. Not only that, I had a computer lab. I had chairs with wheels on them so they could roll around. And the students could also spin the top part of the chair. And so, you know, the students that had behavioral problems or were super hyper or had ADHD, they were the ones trying to roll around on the chairs. They were the ones spinning around on the chairs. They were the ones who didn't want to do the work and would try to, you know, hide playing a game on the computer from me. That student was never going to be able to show up in a classroom, sit there for 90 minutes and listen to me stand at the front of the room and teach a lesson and then say, here's your assignment. Please quietly do it and finish it before the bell rings. You've got 30 more minutes to do that. And then, oh, by the way, here's your homework. 
that student would not be successful in that class. Those same students are in your group coaching programs. The same students I'm describing who couldn't have been successful in the traditional classroom, they're not going to be successful in our group coaching programs if that's the way we're leading them. That's the way a lot of programs are being led. I'm not saying that you're just showing up for 90 minutes and teaching because there is a time and a place for that, even in a group coaching program. What I'm suggesting is there needs to be a much higher level of personalization, facilitation, and accommodating of adult learners who do not learn and process information in the same way that you do or in the same way that your most highest conscientious level clients do. Your most conscientious level clients are never going to give you a hard time. They're always going to show up. They're always going to do the work. They're always going to do what you ask them to do in a timely fashion, and they're probably going to be a better organizer than you are. They may not necessarily get the best results in the in the group, and that doesn't matter, but they're going to get really great results. Um, typically, they also have their high achievers. They have a lot of drive. They have a lot of internal motivation. Oftentimes, your conscientious ones are the ones who never complain. They are not taking over the mic and talking too long. They're not hogging calls. Like They're, they're pretty doggone easy to work with which is why you probably really, really enjoy working with highly conscientious people. They can be very high performers in the classroom, naturally. Naturally, they can be high performers. There's not a whole lot that you have to really help them with in order to be a high performer in your group coaching program. Everybody else, you're going to have to manage them in a different way. You're going to have to instruct them in a different way. You're going to have to adapt and make adjustments to your curriculum and the way it's being delivered so that you suit the needs of everybody in your classroom. So if you're letting them in your program, then you need to accommodate that. So let's go back to the example of the adult learner in your group coaching program who is resisting all the spreadsheets. You might even have some accountability spreadsheets where every Friday they've got to report something to your team about their progress and they may resist that. If you're a business coach, maybe you're asking them to report their numbers at the end of every week. And by the way, anybody who doesn't like a spreadsheet, they also probably don't like dealing with numbers. And so we had a client that was giving us um, a lot of resistance around the use of spreadsheets and tracking things and all of that. And so finally, I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way to help this client and serve and support her. We can't just keep trying to shove her into the using our spreadsheets and the way that we use them or the way that we think everybody in the program should be using it simply because they have the label entrepreneur. And so I told one of my team members, I said, Hey, why don't you, this is on a call publicly. And so I said, you know, client, here's what I want to happen. I want you to get on a call with my team member. And I want the two of you to talk this through and figure it out. And so what we decided upon was rather than her submitting her numbers and using the spreadsheet that we had provided, She was going to send a Voxer message to my team member every week or whatever they came up with, whatever the frequency was, providing the same exact information. Now, that doesn't mean that our team or I am required to respond and give her all sorts of customized attention. So I want to be really clear about that. It's just a different outlet for her. It's a verbal outlet. It's something that she can do. It's the way that she processes information. She's on board with it, which means for her, she's getting really the same. She's making the same kind of progress. She has the same feeling. She has access to the same information that her peers do who are filling out the doggone spreadsheet. 
Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to get rid of my spreadsheets and it doesn't mean that you need to get rid of yours either. But I'm sharing this as an example because you have to learn how to accommodate your curriculum and shift and adjust your delivery style so that you are hitting on all the different learning styles and preferred learning like ways that people are processing a way that they like to process information. And something else that I'll share too, when it comes to your more kinesthetic and your auditory learners, they really love talking to their peers. So, you know, I hear so many people say like, oh yeah, I get what you're saying about peer to peer learning and peer to peer support. I do breakout rooms all the time. And You know, there's so much opportunity with the use of breakout rooms on Zoom with your group coaching programs. I do see an incredible amount of opportunity for it to be better utilized, though. So it's something to take into consideration. But, you know, what I was sharing on the podcast I was on with Robin McKay yesterday, uh, which hasn't aired yet, I said, you know, I really think this is the big thing that's going to shift and change in the group coaching program segment of the coaching industry. People are no longer going to join group coaching programs where they don't feel fully supported, where they don't feel like their style and way of learning and way of doing things isn't supported. And what I'm noticing is that the leaders of the group just expect because they haven't been trained on this, they expect everybody to just do it the way they would do it or the way they're telling you to do it. But the way we're instructing someone to do it, unless you've been trained um, on all of this, you're pretty much just leading the program how you would want to be led, how you think, how you function. And then we're wondering why half, half of our clients aren't making progress, aren't being successful. And then what I see happening on social media, what I hear behind closed doors is the coach of the program really turning it on the client and blaming the client. And then we've, you know, this phrase has become very popular of, you know, you've got to take 100% ownership. And I believe that's really been taken out of context. I believe that when people say that, they don't actually know, they're not taking into consideration everything that I'm sharing on today's podcast. And I'm literally just skimming the surface. There's so much more I could go into in in a lot of great detail, but we just don't have time to do that here. But I get what they mean by that. I do believe that you should be 100% responsible. You should own your results 100%. Here's where I do believe students, clients, when you're a client in a program and you know that you either have a learning disability or you have ADHD or you have dyslexia, or you know you're super auditory or super visual or... Um, I'm not saying like, you you don't get to go tell your coach, like, I just don't like spreadsheets. If you actually have like a legitimate issue with, you know, how they function, because you you just cannot function with them. Like you literally have an inability to do that. Like that's a different story. But if you know something about yourself, you need to have a conversation with that coach and you need to be upfront about it and say, Hey, I have ADHD and this is how it shows up. Hey, I have dyslexia and this is how it shows up. Hey, I am 100% auditory and I'm zero kinesthetic, zero visual. This is how it shows up. Or, hey, I am uh, super conscientious. And here's what that looks like. It looks like me showing up to the calls, but I may not even speak. But that doesn't mean that I am not implementing like a mad woman behind the scenes being like your star student in terms of getting results. So oftentimes as a group coaching program leader, we are projecting our own wounds. We're 
we're projecting our own negative thoughts. Uh, we're projecting our own stuff onto our clients. And we think that, oh, well, if they act this way or they're resisting or they're quiet or they don't show up for four weeks, we take it personally. And we then create a story about the client that puts 100% of the blame on the client. I'm suggesting that we have much better lines of communication open as well. For instance, I used to teach high school online as well as in person. And when I taught school online, you know, you never see your kids uh, in person. And it's very different. It's very different. And one of the policies that we had in place was when a student reached a grade level of 80 and it stayed there for two weeks, once it reached the two-week mark or it got below, I think it was either 80 for two weeks or like if it dipped below an 80 and they were there for two weeks and couldn't get it back up to 80, we could only let two weeks pass before we picked up the phone and we called home. Because if we didn't intervene at the two-week mark, what we would see is that grade would continue to decline. And the grade would continue to decline, not because the student didn't know was submitting work and getting a really bad grade on it. They weren't submitting the work at all. They were not showing up and doing the work. And show up and do the work is another phrase that I see a whole lot on social media. And I just have a completely different perspective. And I know that children, teenagers are different from adults. But again, let us be reminded that whatever dis- learning disabilities or mental health or anything that was going on inside of us when we were teenagers in the school, that dyslexia and that ADHD and those learning disabilities followed us all the way until we're 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80 years old. And a lot of people know how to mask that really well, or they don't want to reveal those things about themselves. But for many of the adult learners that you are working with inside of your programs, it isn't as cut and dry as show up and do the work. Like it's just not that it's just not that black and white. There are other modalities and ways of communicating with your clients, processes and protocols that you want to bring in so that the problem doesn't keep happening. So rather than coming in and trying to just keep fixing the problem with, you know, whatever's going on inside of your group coaching program, create solutions, create protocols and processes, create a culture and a community, accommodations, um, support on a much more personalized level for your adult learners. You will retain more of them. You will renew and re-enroll more of them. You will have many more referrals. You will make more revenue. And of course, your clients will get much, much, much better results. So if you are someone who is already running group coaching programs, uh, send me a message either on Instagram or Facebook at Megan J. Huber. Just send me a message and put the word groups or let me know that you heard this episode on the podcast. I have got a couple of workshops coming up with one of my partners, Nikki Nash. We're going to be doing some workshops on exactly what we talked about here on... I I think our first workshop is actually on... I'm going to look on my wall because I have it written on my wall how to double your group program revenue without burnout. And we're going to be covering three factors um, about raising your rates, getting more people into your program and retaining more people in your program. That is for uh, group coaching program leaders. You already need to have a group coaching program for that to even be relevant to you. So if you do, and you want to get access to that workshop that we're doing in early September, send me a message 
on Facebook or Instagram, just lock in the word groups and let me know you heard this on the podcast. I'll know what you mean by that. And we can get you rocking and rolling with the workshop that we're doing. We're, we're doing two different ones. And then if you are a group coaching program leader and your program is already generating seven figures, it's already bringing in that much money or the combination of maybe two group coaching programs that you're running is already bringing in a revenue of seven figures. I also offer consulting and audits on your group coaching programs. And one of the things that we're looking at is how to better serve your clients. We look at your onboarding process, your curriculum, how your team is involved, lines of communication, the various ways that you are communicating with your clients. We create a retention plan, a 90-day retention plan. And we, our whole entire goal you know, when you get to about a million, now we can really have this conversation around scale. But the way your program is structured, the way it's being delivered, the way it's formatted, your involvement or or lack of involvement, either one, it's probably not going to allow you to scale. So the way you've been running everything in your group program got you to a million. It got you to that point. But for you to truly scale and double the numbers, double your enrollment, triple your enrollment, quadruple things have to be done in a very different way on the back end side of the business. I'm not talking about lead generation and sales. I don't get into that with you. We look at delivery, curriculum, client experience, client success, results, uh, operations, team involvement, processes and systems, your involvement with the program, how you're training your team and bringing them on, how they're interacting with your clients. So if that is something that you're interested in looking at and exploring, um, send me a send me an email for that. That's info at structuredfreedom.com. And uh, I'll get an application over to you and we can get that process started. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you've got value from today's episode, be sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. And of course, share this out with other people who you know, other colleagues, peers, and friends that you think could really benefit from what we shared today. Thanks so much. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.